Technology vendors are excessively obsessed with the concept of the value chain to the detriment of delivering value to their customers. Welcome to this week's Wireless Noodle. I'm delving into value chains this week, as well as looking at the IoT MVNO market, which has been particularly vibrant recently, plus a little bit on Everynet's US LoRaWAN deployments. My name is Matt Hatton. This is The Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. IoT companies, and in fact technology companies in general, are implicitly or explicitly excessively obsessed with the value chain and their positions within it. It means the focus is always on how the product fits relative to their peers rather than relative to customer needs. The first problem with the value chain in IoT is that it's not a true one. In a true value chain, any given element procures product from the segment to its left, adds value, and then sells the element to its right. That's not how IoT works. The entry point to the sale to the customer can be almost anywhere along that line. They could buy the different elements separately, or almost any one of them can pull together a full offering to sell to the customer. For instance, A device manufacturer could resell connectivity and support a deployment using its own management platform. Or a systems integrator could buy all the constituent parts and piece it together for the client. The value chain is more of a description of the different functions that need to be part of delivering a solution than it is a real value chain. The more important problem with the value chain, though, is less obvious. It's that vendors in the space over-obsess with what they're selling while ignoring the far more important question of who they're selling it to. The result is products that are built to occupy a position in the value chain rather than built to address a specific set of users. This is quite particular to the Internet of Things. Other technology segments are much better able to focus. For instance, uh, Salesforce is aimed at salespeople. GitHub is aimed at developers. WordPress at website owners with little development expertise. Data robot, a data scientist with no programming skills. All of them understand very well their community. Some will seek to evolve beyond it, adding additional features and functionality, but they critically know their customers. This is, of course, a reinvention of the age-old problem of the technology sector being supply-driven rather than demand-led. IoT is still supply-driven with the result that hardware and software capabilities are developed to meet a perceived technical gap rather than to address the needs of the potential adopters. But the organisations that get that the focus needs to be on tailoring features, functionality, roadmap, positioning, price, etc. to the needs of the individual, will win. For instance, it's good to see a bunch of vendors focused specifically on the needs of developers. Companies like Edge Impulse, Blues Wireless, Pycom, and so on, just being a few examples that spring to mind. The real secret of the success of the outsiders who will eat IoT, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft, SAP, Twilio, etc., is in putting together a consistent offering aimed at the needs of the user. And if it doesn't watch out, IoT is going to find itself gobbled up by those much more 
user-centric vendors. In a recent Transformer Insights report, I'll put a link on the website, I dig into examples of organisations that have not been sufficiently focused on the needs of the actual end users and make some recommendations about how best to do it. On a related note, thinking about nimble organisations that are better meeting the needs of their customers, I wrote another report the other week looking at IoT MVNOs. Five years ago, I'd have said that that part of the market was stagnant. Pile it high, sell it cheap, sim vendors doing not much more than wholesaling, data traffic and uh, sometimes using arbitrage opportunities, undercutting the cost of mobile network operators or being prepared to do smaller deals in order to, to get into the, the market, touching the, uh, the SME segment and people whose requirements were only for a few hundred or a few thousand SIMs that the network operators wouldn't be that particularly interested in addressing. But there's a new breed, although some are actually old companies who have made a sort of a pivot, changed their approach. But I'll call them a new breed of MVNOs doing very interesting stuff. And they're in the news a lot. Mostly they're in the news for M&A and investment and finance related reasons. So you've got things like Wireless Logic buying things mobile in Italy, which happened just a few days ago. Blues Wireless backed by Ray Aussie, uh, securing $22 million in funding. Gseker and Devriant, the, the SIM guys, buying Pod Group. Uh, Flow Live, securing $15.5 million in funding as well. JTIOT being spun out of Jersey Telecom for a uh, putative and surprising $200 million. And that's on top of Core Group's float, which I talked about a few weeks ago. So I'd highlight some doing interesting things as being the likes of once the, the guys behind the 10 euros for 10 years connectivity and now, uh, in fact, free connectivity they're, they're offering. Plus Blues Wireless, who I mentioned earlier, SI, E-S-E-Y-E rather than SI, SI. Flow Live, Monogotto and Soricom. The changing commercial dynamics in the provision of cellular IoT connectivity, particularly margin erosion, has resulted in even greater impetus to find sustainable competitive differentiators on something other than the pure provision of connectivity. That pilot high sell it cheap connectivity approach just doesn't cut the mustard anymore. This is true of both mobile network operators, but even more true of MVNOs. And the focus of the report I wrote recently was to examine which differentiators, including the likes of software platforms, scale, tariffs, coverage, cloud integration, vertical solutions, pre and post-sales support, will prove to be the most effective. To take just one of those, tariffing, Historically, it was based on some combination of per-device and per-megabyte charges, reflecting in large part the way in which MNOs charge for their legacy services. But in many cases, this isn't particularly appropriate for IoT devices. Tariff innovation has come slowly, to the point where offers such as Soricoms of no minimum charge and pool plans across a fleet of devices seem innovative, despite the fact that it still charges per megabyte. What we're likely to see in future is a move to charging on a basis which is much more appropriate to IoT. Things like MQTT messages, 
or API calls or similar, or maybe even paper outcome. Sierra Wireless has a couple of interesting offers, including a $1 per device per month with unlimited API calls, or another with uh, $1 per thousand messages. This type of approach removes the complexity for developers who essentially don't want to have to think about how many messages there would be in a megabyte. This harks back to the value chain question from earlier. Focus more on the specific needs of the customer, how they want to buy, how they understand the market. The truth is, of course, when it comes to differentiating for these companies, there's no magic bullet. A number of tactics will be effective in securing a sustainable future for any MVNO, some better than others. Things relating to vertical services, consulting, and anything not easily replicated in software is a good bet. Having your own connectivity platform or having a dedicated core network is not the differentiator it once was. Most importantly, these MVNOs need to be nimble, continuing to evolve their offering to avoid getting overtaken by other newcomers. Secondly, they need to look at multiple methods of differentiation. In such a competitive market, a single differentiator will not be enough. Finally, they need to identify which part of the market they're pursuing and develop a proposition accordingly. It might be embedded developers, or it might be the retail sector, or AWS customers, or any number of other sub-segments of IoT. The report itself is available to Transformer Insights subscribers now. Kudos to the folks at EveryNet for announcing the rollout of a US LoRaWAN network. Little bit of details. If you're not familiar with LoRaWAN, it's one of those low power wide area networks, traditionally, historically deployed as private networks for campuses or cities or even within a, uh, an individual building. It uses unlicensed spectrum, so no issues with owning licenses. So pretty much anybody can throw up a network wherever they like. And every net is covering the whole of the US, or will eventually. Initial efforts will focus on providing coverage to 36 urban areas and 100 logistics intersections by the end of this year. Extremely significant use for IoT and many industries within the US. The availability of an extensive public carrier-grade LoRaWAN network will prove crucial to furthering the adoption of a variety of use cases. Likely, early adopters can be expected to be from the logistics sector, supporting track and trace, and monitoring of transported goods, cold chain monitoring being a particularly relevant use case given the current requirements for vaccine distribution. Urban centres will bring demand from smart cities use cases, building automation and perhaps smart metering. Previously, it was the 5G MMTC technologies, LTEM and MBIoT, that were the more popular choices for use cases where a public carrier-supported network was required. And they will probably continue to be the more popular. They have global deployments. There's some benefits associated with them in terms of their capabilities. But the availability of alternative choices for coverage is only going to drive further IoT growth. Competition in the space will further encourage innovation, expansion and development, ultimately providing a greater choice and better service for end users. Crucially, for LoRaWAN, 
such a large public network rollout furthers its legitimacy in the LPWA space, and end users that balked at the complications that come with the operation of a private network will be encouraged to consider LoRaWAN in future projects. It's worth noting also a synergy here. Any campus-based LoRaWAN proposition, such as, for instance, uh, agriculture, oil and gas, healthcare or retail park context, can potentially now benefit from roaming onto a wider national network. I use the term advisedly, not really roaming, but it's pretty close. A potential approach might be for a large end user to deploy LoRaWAN private networks at key sites and rely on the nationwide network to support connectivity in between those sites. Either way, it'll be interesting to watch it evolve. There's a blog post on the Transform Insights website from my colleague Matt Arnott, available to read, goes into a bit more detail on this topic. I will put a link on the blog. Last thing, you may remember from a few weeks ago, I spoke about a report comparing the digital transformation capabilities of the hyperscalers, AWS, Microsoft, and Google. Well, we've built on that at Transformer Insights to develop a report looking at 16 digital transformation service providers, DXSPs, and assessing their capabilities in helping enterprises navigate their digital transformation journey. We include companies like Accenture, IBM, Wipro, CGI, KPMG, and so on. I'll share some more about that in the next episode. As a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be obliged if you could leave a review. It's much appreciated. Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton and you can check out transformerinsights.com. That's transformer with an A.